Um, but the, the title of the message is Get That Bread. And so does anybody know what that means? What? Well, basically, it basically means do work, get to work. Let's work. Let's earn that money. But let's, let's get to work. Let's do work. And, and so tonight, that's what we're talking about tonight. So, um, so what, we're, what we're looking at tonight in Mark, we're, we're in chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 14. But um, what had happened, actually, we're going to look in verse 11 first and then jump to verse 14. But what had happened, what's taken place here is Jesus had just performed miracles. He had just fed 4,000 people. And you guys know with what, what did he feed them with? And fish, bread and fish. And, and um, so what happens, what's taking place next, he just does all these miracles. He heals, he heals a deaf man. Then he does the, uh, the, the miracle of the bread and the fish, the feeding 4,000 people on the side of a hill. And then, um, then what happens next, he encounters these Pharisees. And Pharisees were people who were just like super religious people, but they really didn't know anything about Jesus. And so he encounters these Pharisees and, uh, and here's what they actually have to say to Jesus. It's in Mark 8, 11. So we'll get this. Probably here's what's taking place too. They were at the site of the feeding of the 4,000 people. I would imagine they're walking up to Jesus, still munching on their bread, still eating some of their fish. And then they walk up to Jesus and they say this, Mark 8, 11, give us a sign that you're really sent from God. Like, are you kidding me? Did you not see what just, and, and well, I want you to know this too, the Pharisees, these people too, they would actually follow Jesus around to try to catch him doing something wrong, to try to catch him messing up or to saying something wrong or, or doing something wrong. So you got to imagine they saw these miracles. They just saw this take place. And then they walk up to him and they're like, hmm, give us a sign that you're really sent from God. Like, you got to be kidding me. And then, I, I don't have it on the screen, but and then it follows that up, and then it says, and then Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Jesus is like, I just did all this? Like, you're not catching it. So let me tell you this. If Jesus himself couldn't even change the minds of people who were, who were committed to not believing him, how do we think we're going to change the minds of people who are committed to not believing? So you got to know that people's unbelief does not stop the call of God on your life. You're going to run into people with unbelief all throughout your life. Jesus ran into people with unbelief throughout his time on earth. We're going to do the same. We're going to run into people, but that doesn't mean that our call is any less. That doesn't mean that our purpose is any less. We still have the same purpose. We still have the same giftings. We still have the same vision that Jesus gave to us, and, and we got to get that bread anyways. So... Jesus, work with me here, people. So then, so what happens? Jesus leaves these Pharisees. He walks away from them. And then next step, next thing he does, he gets on a boat with all of his disciples. And guess what they did? They forgot to bring the bread. Well, actually, actually, they brought one loaf of bread. So, they, so then it says this. So read verses 14 and 15. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Catch this. Have you guys ever wished that you could hang out with Jesus, spend time with Jesus? 
Probably not. Like, I mean, we say, yeah, but, but watch this interaction. Like, because he speaks in parables. He talks about things that you may have never heard of or maybe experienced before. And we're like, oh, I'd love to hang out with Jesus. So catch this. They get in the boat. They forgot all the bread, but one loaf. And then Jesus, he says, be careful. And then Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. That makes sense. And then verse 16, they discussed this with one another, and they said, they came to the conclusion, that's because we have no bread. (laughs) I don't know. I find that funny. Um, So in the Bible, though, yeast is, is a, yes, it's a cooking term, but it was also used as a metaphor of unbelief, of sin, of pride, and, and whenever you, if, if you cook, because a lot of times bread in this time, it was called unleavened bread, and it was like a flat bread, but when you would add yeast, yeast makes the bread rise. It makes the dough rise, and so, so, um, so the Pharisees, they, what they were doing, they represented the religious system, and Herod, he represented the political system, and he was trying to say, be careful, don't sin, don't live in unbelief or have pride because when you begin to mix your, your religion and your politics with the bread of life, which is Jesus, it'll contaminate the bread. And they weren't getting it still. I want you to catch this, verse 19. Jesus says this, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets of, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? The disciples responded, 12. They replied, and when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls did you pick up? They answered, seven. And he said to them, do you still not get it? Do you still not understand? So the first time, he's saying, we fed far more people with far less amount of bread, and we still had leftovers. See, we've got one loaf in the boat. There's 12 of us, 13, counting Jesus. I think we're going to be okay because the provider is in the boat. I mean, we just saw what took place. If he can multiply seven loaves of bread for thousands of people, he can multiply one loaf of bread for 12, 13. As long as you have Jesus, you have everything you need. And these guys still weren't getting it. Like, we got one piece of bread in the boat. But Jesus is like, as long as you've got me, you've got everything you need. Here's something I want to teach you real quick. Is everybody still with me? All right. Here's one, something I want to teach you real quick. And, and uh, how many of you guys grew up in church? Grew up going to Sunday school. You learned the things. You, turned, you probably heard this story before. Um, but in church, we talk, we've talked a lot about this story. You've, you've probably, uh, in Sunday school, you've probably passed around, like had a little uh, discussion, and you passed around the, the, I don't know, the little sticky things, and you did the little things in the color of the pictures. And then you heard the story about feeding the 5,000 or the 1,000 and the loaves, and Jesus took the loaves and the bread from the kid. You got it, right? You've heard all that. So, but I want you to know that that miracle didn't only happen once. But it happened twice. Yes, there's the time where Jesus took the little boy's uh, uh, fish and, and he performed that miracle. But he did it again another time. Jesus fed 5,000. Then a, a time later, he performed another miracle and fed 4,000. See, there's this debate in theology 
where um, that thinks that Mark, which we're, we're reading out of here, uh, is mentioning the same miracle twice. But Jesus, he refutes that with what we just read. See, a lot of people, they may think that the feeding of the 5,000 is greater than feeding of the 4,000. You're like, oh, yeah, bigger numbers. Yeah, it's a, it's a greater miracle. But what that tells me, though, that if God can do it one time, then he can do it again. If he can do a great miracle in your life one time, then he can do it again. And I think a lot of times we look in the Bible and we see these miracles and we see these things take place and we're like, but that was back then. But I want you to know tonight, if, if God has done a miracle in your life, if he's worked in your life, he can do that again. He's not just a one-time miracle working God. So don't let the difficulty of the season that we're in make you doubt the faithfulness of Jesus. See, the feeding of the multitude was only was only, was only, was one of the only stories that's mentioned in all four Gospels. There's, there's a lot of different stories and a lot of different of the Gospels, but the feeding of the 5,000 is, is one of the stories that was mentioned in all four of the Gospels. And that means that Jesus doesn't want us to forget this miracle. There's this great quote by this guy named Howard Thurman. It says this, the power of prayer is directly connected to your willingness to be a part of God's answer. So the power of prayer is directly connected to your willingness to be a part of God's answer. That means that God always has been and always will be looking for people to participate in the miracles that he wants to make happen. He's looking for people. I guarantee you, God wants to do miracles. He wants to do things. He wants to see lives change. He wants to see people changed by his power, but he's looking for people who will be willing to use by that. I want to look at uh, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to take a look at each one of these two miracles and each one of these uh, two things. We're going to kind of look at them side by side and we're going to talk about it tonight. So the first thing, though, is, is you gotta, when you have a whole lot of people, you're going to have a whole lot of problems. When you got a large amount of people in a space, you're going to have a whole lot of problem. You're going to have some people with some issues. And, and don't forget to remember that you're called to the problems because you're called to people. So every single one of us, we're called to problems. Because I think a lot of times we're like, uh-huh, there's a problem. Going to stay away from that one. There's a problem. Wait, hit the brakes. But, I, but as followers of Jesus, we're called to problems because we're called to people. See, the way we say it here at Emerge Youth, if you're new here or if you're newer, we actually haven't talked about it in a little while, but the way we say it here is that found people find people. If you're, what that means, if you're found in your relationship with Jesus, if you are a believer, if you're a Christian, if you know him, then it is our job, our responsibility to find others. Found people, find people. Everybody say found people. Find people. See, you, you cannot separate people from their problems. See, some of us really try really hard to separate ourselves or, or to isolate ourselves um, from difficult people, 
right? I, I, I tend to do that sometimes. Like, you're difficult. I'm going to keep you at a distance. And sometimes what we do is we tend to separate or we isolate ourselves from difficult people. But if there's one thing that we've learned from this quarantine that we recently went through is that you can't hide yourself from yourself. I, I don't know if you caught that, but you still got to be with you. See, we, we want to distance ourselves from people with issues and people with problems, and we don't want to deal with our own. We still have to deal with ourselves. Maybe during this shelter in place, some of us found out that what we're really doing is that we're running from ourselves, and so we, we, we would now have to face ourselves. And, and what we do is, what we tend to do is we point at other people's problems. Well, they're doing this, or they're dealing with this, or they're a bad person because they do this. And didn't, don't we all tend to do that? We point at other people's problems, and, and we're just like, hey, but if we would take a real deep look, we're probably just as messed up. We're called to people because we're called to problems. We got to have grace for difficult people because we're one of them too. See, so in both miracles, what's happening and what's taking place is, is compassion is what starts the miracle. See, compassion, it actually activates the miraculous. In, in the story of the feeding of the 5,000, the Bible says this. It says that he was moved with compassion. In the, the story of the feeding of the 4,000, this is the only time that Jesus verbally said, I am moved with compassion. See, the, the compassion, it activates the miraculous. Do you want to start, if you're in this room and you want to start seeing miracles take place in your life, if you want to see God move in your life, start getting compassionate for other people. Some of you, your prayer requests benefit you. Oh, Lord, help me. God, I need this. God, I want this. God, look at me. God, help me through this. I'm dealing with this. And some of us, our prayer requests are all about us. They benefit us. I want to encourage you to start praying with compassion for other people. It was compassion in both miracles that caused Jesus to move. But compassion doesn't give you the luxury of apathy. I don't know. Do you, does anybody know what apathy means? Anybody know what that means? Someone shout it out. To not care, right? Don't we all kind of feel that way a little bit? Don't we all go through that sometimes? When, especially when we don't want to deal with difficult people. We're like, <laughs> I'm just going to not care about this one. See, when you have compassion for, for someone, you don't have the luxury of not caring for them. You're going to have to do something. And I'm not just talking about making a social media post or reposting what someone else said. That does nothing. You have to physically get that bread. You got to get to work. You got to put some action behind what you're saying, behind who you say you are. See, compassion is when care and action collide. Someone say, get that bread. See, I, my prayer for Emerge Youth, for us right here, 
this group of students and even the ones who aren't even here tonight, my prayer for us is that we will be students, is that we will be people who care about others besides ourselves, outside of ourselves. We'll be people who care. When people walk in our doors, they'll know they're loved. They'll know they're welcome. They'll know they're, they're a part of our family made of friends, and we've got to do a better job at that. We've got to do better. See, the feeding of the 4,000, it says that Jesus didn't want to send them away because some of them came from a long distance. Some of them came from a long way. This means that Jesus cares about where you come from. See, in this story, the disciples are like, send them away. We don't have money to pay for all these people to get some food. And Jesus, he had compassion because some of them came from a long way off. He cares about where you come from. He cares about what city they came from. It's, it's easier to have compassion for someone uh, you don't agree with. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. It is easier to have compassion for someone you don't agree with if you have clarity of where they came from. Let me say it again. It's easier to have compassion for someone that you don't agree with. It's easier to have compassion for someone you don't agree with if you have some clarity on where they came from. I'm not talking like their home. I'm not talking about the city where they came from. It may be their home life. It may be situations that they went through. It may be things that they've dealt with and walked through and went through in their life. When you know where someone came from, you can have a little bit more compassion about what they're dealing with or what they're thinking. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and they're just talking crazy and it's like crazy talk and you're like, this is psychobabble going on right now. And like, I don't, I just want to slap them right in the face. Like, what did five fingers say to the face? Slap. Like, sometimes you just want to you want to smack people, and they're crazy talk, and, and you're just wanting to go off. And then I, I wish that sometimes in those situations that we could just hit a pause button and rewind and look at their life and get a little bit of clarity on where they came from, maybe how they grew up. Maybe who was in their life, maybe who wasn't in their life. Maybe, and, and, and our, your response and your reaction to those kind of people may change a little bit because you got some clarity on where they came from, what helps you, which helps you understand why they believe what they believe, what they're saying, what they're saying, how, how, what they're thinking, what they're thinking. You can't have compassion unless you know where they came from. See, compassion activates the miraculous. In both miracles, they, they ask the wrong questions. In both times, in both situations, the disciples, they asked the wrong questions. When it came to the feeding the 5,000, here here's what they asked. It would take six months wages to feed these people. Are we gonna spend six months wages? That was their response when Jesus was like, hey, let's feed these people. What's well, going to take six months' wages? Are we going to give that up? That's the wrong question. In the feeding of the 4,000, they said, where can we even find bread for these people in this place? They were asking the right, wrong question. I want to encourage you to always ask the right question, to ask the right question. See, what they did is they looked at the magnitude of the problem that they were dealing with, and they asked the wrong question. Because I think you can get into situations in life, and, and a lot of times it depends on how you view things or how you see it. Some, there's some people, you, like, you get into a situation, and they're like, it's always the negative response. 
they hate me. Or like, like someone did invite you to something and like, they're mad at me. Well, it may be just because, I don't know, something else happened and you didn't, you know, because a lot of times we get into it where we look at the negative right away. And so Jesus, he wants us to ask the right questions. So they looked at the magnitude of the problem and they asked the wrong questions. Some of us are full of so anxiety, so much anxiety. Some of us are so stressed. Some of us are so worried about school or about friends or about our jobs or about coronavirus or about our family. And some of us are so worried because what we're doing is we're looking at the magnitude of the problem and we're asking the wrong questions. Let's check this out. Matthew 6, 31. Here's what Jesus, his own words, So don't worry about anything. Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. What's he Seek what first? Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And then when you seek him first, all these things will be added to you, will be given to you as well. See, our worry is connected to the wrong questions. But what if there's another shutdown? What, what if I have to learn online? What, I have to, what if I can't play sports? What, what, if, what if someone sneezes? What if someone spits on me? What, <laughs> what, if, what if I got it? What, what about this? What about that? And, and I'm not saying, please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you shouldn't have concern. I'm not saying you shouldn't have wisdom. But maybe sometimes what we're doing is what we're, we're asking the wrong question. And here's the right question. Here's the right question. Uh, and Jesus said it in both miracles. Here it is. How many loaves do you have? <laughs> that's a weird answer. Or that's the weird question. How many loaves do you have? Hang with me here. The question doesn't lead to worry. Think about the question in in context of what's taking place here. The question here doesn't lead to worry. See, this question, though, it does lead to work. It does lead to us putting out some effort, some action in our lives. This 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 isn't about what you've lost. It's about what you still have. See, some may not like this because it's easier to complain about what you don't have, and it's easier to look on Instagram and and to look at other people, like other people's posts, and go, well, well, they got to go and do this, and I'm just sitting at home. Back to the miracles. Okay. In the miracles, I, I want you to catch this too. Jesus never asked for the fish. If you go back and read, go back and read both stories, both situations. He never asked for the fish. Jesus never asked, how many fish do you have? He asked about your bread. In the process of looking for the loaves, there was the fish. Catch what I'm saying here. I'm saying that if you follow Jesus and you give him what he asks, he'll provide a little extra. He'll go the extra mile. He'll do a little bit more. He didn't ask for the fish in either one of these situations. He's like, where's the bread? Even after they got the fish, they realized it's not enough. Have you ever looked at yourself and decided that you're not enough? Like maybe, maybe you've looked at yourself in the mirror and you're like, oh, I'm just not, I'm not that pretty. I'm not that handsome. Or I'm not tall. I'm not skinny. Or I'm not 
tall enough. <laughs> That's my problem. Or skinny. Well, we're not going to go there. But maybe you've looked at yourself and, and, and you're like, well, I'm not smart. I can't do, make good grades. Well, I'm not athletic. I can't do this. Or I'm not this and because so I can't do this. You, you can't be the student that you need to be or the son or the daughter that you need to be or the follower of Jesus that you need to be, the child of God that you need to be and realize that it's not enough. See, if it's in your hands, though, it'll never be enough. You, you've got to get it out of your hands because if it's in your hands, what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to control it. Well, here, here's what I can do. Here's some things that I can do to try to be this, try to do this. See, the miracle starts when you put it in the hands of Jesus. That's when the miracle takes place. See, watch what Jesus does with it. He took it. He blessed it. He broke it. And then he gave it right back to him. Then he said, now use this, take this to go and bless others. The multitude. See, the multiplication didn't even happen in the hands of Jesus. It happened when he handed it back to us. And he said, you go and you do something with it. Jesus, what he'll do, he'll take what's not enough He'll take us, he'll bless us, he'll break us, and then send us, to, and we'll see multiplication. Uh, imagine being, though, in each one of these situations, a disciple passing out the bread, like thousands of people. You guys get in groups of 10, everybody raise your hand, no, you put your hand down, no, you, oh, I'm messing up my count, like, losing your count, it's going to take a while. And these people and these disciples, they had to interact with each other. The last thing is this. Multiplication happens through interaction. See, I want you to interact with every person and give out to everyone. And when you get down to almost nothing, I want you to see God provide. Multiplication happens through interaction. This means, this means you're talking about what Jesus blessed and he gave to you and then, and then he blessed you and then through compassion, just like the disciples passing out the bread, you're going to people and he, Jesus gives us things and he provides things for us and then he blesses us and then he takes it and then he breaks us and then he says, go and bless others. Go and be compassionate to others. So just like the disciples walking around with baskets, passing out pieces of bread, we're walking around to our friends. We're walking around in our schools. We're saying, hey, I, I see you struggling. I'm here with you. Hey, I, I see you hurting. I'm going to stay right here with you. I, I see you hungry. Here's some blessing. I, I see you lost. Here's what I found. I see you scared. Uh, here's some comfort. I see you worrying. Hey, I'm just going to be here with you. I see you need someone to talk to. I'm going to wait right here. I see you need Jesus. 
Let me tell you about it. See, multiplication happens through interaction. If we want to see things change in our lives, we got to have interaction with people. We can't just be like, hey, I'm a Christian, but no one needs to know about it. If our value is that found people find people, then we have to put it to action. We can't sit around with apathy and just not care. I mean, think someone else is going to tell them. Or maybe tonight that you don't know what to say. And that's okay. We can talk about that. Maybe here in our fam times, just a moment, we're going to talk about that. But, um, but multiplication, it happens through interaction. We've got to have interactions. Jesus, I love you. Lord, I pray that these next few moments that we have together in our fam times, Lord, I pray that they will be, they'll be fruitful. We'll have great conversations. And I pray, Lord God, that you will speak to us in these next few moments and, and we'll grow closer to you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say a couple more things. Um, so the thing about the disciples, they got to experience, they got to see both of these miracles of the feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000. And, and here's my issues, issue with the disciples. They got to experience both of these things. And I get it that the first one, they're probably a little scared. They're a little intimidated. They're a little bit nervous. You're like, oh, we're going to feed all these people? Like, how are we going to do that? But then, then what happens, though, just a, a short time later, when it's another crowd, when it's another group of a few thousand people, why are we still scared when we see what God already did before? And, and this relates to us, right? This should relate to us, right? And obviously we aren't dealing with thousands of people, but I don't know, look at your schools. But we've seen Jesus move and, and we've seen Jesus come through before and we, we still get worried we still get stressed, we still get scared, we still get nervous. But think about this, in this situation with these guys, it's deeper than that. The feeding of the 5,000, it wasn't, the issue wasn't the bread, um, but it was the price of the bread. In the feeding of the 4,000, the issue wasn't the price, uh, but it was the people and the place. If you remember back in the, in the first story of the 5,000, they were like, well, where are we going to get all this money to feed all these people? It's a month's wages. And then the feeding of the 4,000, they were like, we're going to feed these people in this place? These people? You see, the feeding of the 5,000 took place in a Jewish territory. See, the disciples were Jewish people. The Jewish people had issues, or, or they 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 cared for their own people. They took care for their own people. But the feeding of the 4,000 took place in Gentile territory. You remember, Jews didn't like Gentiles. They, didn't let, they, didn't, they thought really bad of Gentiles. It was a place they didn't want to go with the people they didn't want to deal with. And Jesus forced them to go to a people that they thought they were better than. See, this was like Jesus grabbed, wrapped them all up, got them all. Hey, we're going on a field trip, guys, and, and we're going to. Uh, and I'm and he's going to show them. He's like, I'm going to show them that if you're going to be my witness in Jerusalem, and and Samaria, and Judea, and Kansas City, and Blue Springs, and Independent Independence, and Lee Summit, and Grain Valley, you you cannot think the bread, which is Jesus is only for people from your area who look like you, 
who think like you, who act like you, who talk like you, who have political opinions like you. This bread is for the entire world and you don't get to pick who you pass it out to. In the feeding of the 4,000, Jesus did to the disciples what he did with the bread. He took them, he blessed them, he broke them so he could use them to spread the gospel around the world. That's what God wants to do with us. However, this school year is looking for you. I don't know how that looks. Some of you are going to be online. Some of you are going to be on live. Some of you are like, I just don't know what to do. Some of you are homeschooled. Some of you, it's like, it's, it's just a toss-up. We don't know. But here's the deal. Here's the reality. Whether you're going back to school or not, you still got people that you're around. You still got people that you can influence. And you have a major tool called your social media. However you decide to use that, that could be a huge tool in your life to tell people about the bread, about Jesus. Um, so, but I, I, you need to know this. I, I've said this about the bread a couple times. When Jesus breaks us, he's not breaking us to hurt us. He, he's breaking us so he can multiply us for more. And everybody needs the bread. Everybody needs the bread. Everybody needs Jesus. And so that's what I, I kind of hope our heart is leaning to tonight, maybe in our conversations tonight. Hopefully that's where we were going and what we were talking about. And how, hopefully it's helping us know and continue. I know you've all heard it. Hopefully it will help us continually realize that and help that continually sink in. Jesus, I love you. God, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I pray for every student in this room and every student who's not even here tonight. Lord, I pray that we will be people who, who share the bread, who, who, who share who you are, who share your loving kindness and your goodness with the people around us. I pray that we won't hide it. I pray that we won't be ashamed of who we are. I pray that we'll be loud and proud of who we are in our relationship with you, Lord. I, I, I thank you, Lord, for a group of students who's not going to be just like the rest of the world, who we are going to stand out and we're going to make a difference in our homes and in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, with our friends, online, on social media, wherever we're at. We're not like everyone else. We don't make the same posts. We don't talk about the same things. We don't do the same things. We're called to a higher standard, and we're different. And we live that way. And we represent you in every step that we take and everything that we do. We love you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.